Welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. surgery and uh, like any kind of surgery there's potential for a little uh, discomfort but it's always intended to bring healing and restoration to your life and the scalpel we're going to be using is the word of God and I hope you got your sermon notes because there, we're going to be looking at some scripture today but there's so applicable. And why I give you these is that later on you might take those out and just as a morning devotion, just go through those scriptures and and meditate on them and realize the truths and the promises that God gives you. So the Bible, it gives us this testimony about the word. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Aren't you glad? It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, which is not always easy, but is always helpful. By the way, I just want to say, I'm so glad you're here today. If you get a chance today, do me a favor, say hello to my new friend Ashley over here who's visiting today. Yeah, before the service, just got a great story, Ashley, and I'm so glad you joined us today, uh, with us today. Some can, um, some will hear the word of God, and they hear it, and they don't allow it to enter into the depths of their hearts. And it's because you know, they hear the words of the truth from the Bible over and over and over again, and they've managed to build up this kind of wall of resistance where they don't allow the truth, even though it's there and said it's from God, they don't allow the truth to penetrate into the heart where it can impact them and change them. And the Bible refers to this as having a heart of stone. Uh, in the Hebrew culture, in which much of the word was given, a heart of stone means that that person is lifeless. We have heard, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So without the word of God alive and working and, and, and the power in us, we are lifeless. But God doesn't want to leave you this way. That's why we're here. That's the great news. He promises you this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's good news. Will you pray with me as we start today? Father, I know, God, there's times when we, um, we hear the word and we just hear it and it just lets pours off our back like water. But God, today I pray that that's been our habit, if that's been our, our posture, that we allow your word today, which is powerful and alive, it says, to penetrate our hearts, to impact us, and if we have a heart of stone, that you replace it with a heart of flesh, God. So that our lives will change, not just for this day, but for every day, forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I'm going to begin with a quote from a pastor I like. I read a lot and would have quoted him before. But he says, to make the most of your life, you must keep the vision of eternity continually in your mind and the value of it in your heart. And I can't believe there is one person here who who does not want to make 
the most out of their life. Uh, There is this innate drive within us where our deepest rooted desire is to have this meaningful and purposeful life. That's how we're created. It's okay. That's good that you want that. And what is needed for this to happen is a vision. Simply speaking, just very simply speaking, vision gives you direction to where you want to go. Uh, It's hard to get somewhere if you can't see it or the next step to get there. So for me, if I'm going to make the most out of my life, then the vision for my life must include eternity with God. I, I want to live, I really want to live beyond the 80, 90 years that I might have, may not have, but, you know, that I may have on earth. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to assume that you feel the same way I do. You'd rather live with God forever instead of without Him forever. You get to live with Him today or not today, but it all but I want to live with him today, and eternity begins today, and I want to continue with him. And I know the importance of having this vision of eternity with God here and now, because if I don't have that vision, I might miss it and perish. And that's why I love, having, I love being part of a church family like this, because I need this. I need to gather each week and pray and hear, and worship, and be challenged. And that's why I do that. That's been every morning in the Word of God. I need that, lest I would drift and perish. The Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. And you can't see. You'll drift, you'll perish. And I love the way that the message uh, translates this. It says if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So when you see what God is doing and you step into that and you, you, you attend to that, you're going to find blessing. So it makes sense that we want to have vision and we want to be God's vision, which includes eternity. And you must, because you must see what God is up to if you're going to join him. With God, that's where the, where the fullness and the joy of life is found. It's where even through the hurt, we can find healing. And God has a vision for your life and includes eternity. You cannot read the Bible and not understand it, that his vision for you includes eternal life. And because he's made it possible for you to have this. Jesus went to the cross where he provided the necessary sacrifice needed that you may have the opportunity to live eternity with him. Yeah, we know that Jesus was here. He came to us as one of us um, and he taught us and he healed us, he still teaches, he still heals, but his greatest achievement, his peace de resistance, Dave and I are trying to figure out what that word was this week, and figure out what it was, is eternal life. And he secured it for us on the cross and through the grave. So probably what's the best known verse in the Bible probably today? Yeah, John 3.16, could be Psalm 23, John 3.16, and I learned that growing up in my little church in Old San as a kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, love that part, but have everlasting life. Love that part. And people, you know, they can say, oh, I believe in God, but they're not following God. Some people come and say, yeah, no, I believe in God. But, okay, but there's the evidence. I'm not a judge, but the evidence is you look and go, well, how, how does that, where do I see that? 
You can't truly believe and then not respond in obedience to him. You really can't believe and not respond in devotion and trust. But for those who are doing that, there's this gift of everlasting life. It would not, I would not trade anything this world could offer for everlasting life. I would not trade it for all the money. I wouldn't trade it for all the power or the fame or the muscles or the hair. Because I don't want life limited. I want life eternal. If we're struggling with seeing past and having a vision for eternity, if we're struggling with getting past the finite things of this world, Jesus helps us with that. He's helped me with that by putting life into a better perspective. And he'll do this by asking you a question. And one of the best questions he's ever asked, uh, I think he's asked of us is this, and you probably know this, and what do you benefit? What do you benefit if you could gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You think about that. You know, consider what would, what would be the greatest treasure for you to have? What would, what would be the greatest thing for you to have? You, you have it, you know it, you experience it, you've got it for maybe another 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, maybe less, maybe a bit more, then it's gone because you are gone. And worse than that, well, the Bible tells us, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take nothing out with us. So if you give the utmost value to things, and that's so easy to do, isn't it? It's not a struggle to not to just have this limited vision saying, I just want more in this life, better in this life, which I understand there's a drive and it's okay, but not at the, at the um, expense of having an eternal perspective. So the, what's sad, what's tragic, if that's what you're focusing on here and now in these few years, the day when you leave this place, it's going to be such a tragic day because you can't take any of it with you. And what's worse is probably for most people that, that have that, that focus and that, uh, on the things of this world, they probably missed and did not focus on the treasure of heaven. They focused on the treasure here, but missed out on the treasure of God's gift of eternal life. And I, I just start reading a book, could just happen to also be by... Rick Warren, um, he just released it, and I just found, Friday started reading this, and he, and he said something that really connected to the message, so I put it in here. He says, when you die, you're not going to take your career to heaven. You're not going to take your clothes, your cars. You'll leave everything behind. The only thing you'll take in, into, into eternity is you, is you. And you want to take into eternity a you which has been forgiven, redeemed, and saved through Jesus Christ. Every life given has that choice, has this choice. I get to choose that you are choosing today. Is my primary focus going to be on what I can gain in this world? Or will I be content and I will work hard in this world, but my main primary focus is on eternity, and the treasure there. And Jesus said, you know, don't store up treasures here on this earth, so you've got to believe them or not. Where moths eat and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal, he says, he gives us this different thought. Store up treasures, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal because wherever your treasure is, that's the desire of your heart. 
If your treasure is here, that's your focus. That's your desire. The problem is it only lasts for a few years and it's gone. Even if you, even if you get it. So how would you describe your life? Are you living where your primary concern and focus is on here and now, the treasures of this world? Or can you say, while I value these things, work hard for these things, I see the importance of these things, my main primary focus is storing up treasures in heaven. What's the difference? Treasures on earth will decay. The treasures we store up in heaven never will. The treasures um, on heaven last forever. The treasures of heaven are the thing you do now, the thing you do here and now, which will matter in eternity. So the treasures of earth won't matter. <laughs> the treasures of earth will matter nothing in eternity. The treasures of heaven are, are where you are now today investing, and in, you know, you're investing your time. Think how you can do that. You're investing your, your talent, your gifts, your, your treasure to make an eternal difference in your life and the life of others. That's storing up treasure in heaven. That won't fail. That won't decay. My uh, sister-in-law, Valerie, does a great job with family ancestries. Maybe some of you love doing that as well. And when I look at the work she's done in my own family tree, I see the names of people and, uh, and, and handwritten signatures of people with my last name I've never met. Um, they, are, they are part of me. One was named, not this guy, but the, one of them was named just Joseph Elisha Royal. He was born on February 8th, 1847. He was my great-great-grandfather. Never met the man. I couldn't have told you what his name was unless Valerie did the work. I can see it in my family tree. I learned that uh, he was um, a foreman at the Port of London in England. He married Priscilla Hunt in 1882. I wasn't invited to the wedding. We're related. And they're married in St. Stephen's Church on uh, the road. was called uh, Tredegar Road in London, which I found out later was bombed and destroyed in World War II. They had a son in 1883 named William. This is William which is my middle name. William is my great-grandfather. He married Annie Goodman uh, Gilbert in 1908. Not that they remembered any of this, but they gave birth to my grandfather, Jeffrey William Royal, in 1909, who I did know, who I have met, who was a, a mentor for me in ministry. He's on the next picture here. That's my grandfather, Jeff. Glenda's met him, and we spent time with him. He died in 1991. He became a missionary in China. He was a minister. And I just, I, I say that because if you think in your own family tree, or my own family tree, somewhere back in my family tree, somewhere a person or persons have an internal perspective and invested in eternal things. Because they pass along to their children and their children and to their children what, what, where I'm being impacted today, where my children are being impacted today, where my children's children are being impacted today. And sometimes you get a glimpse of how one can make an eternal difference with an internal perspective. And how it, pimp, how it impacts the lives of others. So um, there's another preacher. I think Willie knows this one. His name was Bob Rolston. Maybe you've heard the name Bob Rolston. He, he think he preached in this area as well. Um, Bob, as a young man, was saved under my grandfather's ministry in Own Sound. And his family, his brother Dave and his family were saved as well. And Bob became a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene, one of the churches he had on Blue Mountain, which just happened to be my first church that I pastored. And I got to meet Bob there, and he told me about the connection, how his grandfather, uh, he, he was saved under his preaching, how he brought his family the next Sunday, and they were saved under his preaching, how he became a minister. So I invited Bob 
back to this church, and we had some revival services together, which was, was great. So it's like life is going around full circle. Um, and uh, in, in my last church, I came before here, um, Dave, his brother, Dave Rolson, and his wife, Doran, were part of that church. Dave had died by the time I got there, but Doran was still there playing bass in her 80s up on the worship team, just going for it. It's just full circle. And that's just a tiny part I get to see. Like, I can see how my grandfather impacted this life. And I know I'm not seeing it all because I know that Pastor Bob was amazing. Uh, he did a great job in ministry. And, and um, Dave and, and Doran, they did some music ministry. So I know other lives are impacted. There's just like this butterfly effect. And I know I'm a result of that. And I want to be part of it being carrying on. So I want to invest in eternal things. I want to invest my time. I want to invest my talent. I want to invest my treasure in eternal things not just in the earthly things of this world. And as I read the names of my family tree, I look at them and they have my last name or they have you know, names I don't recognize because of marriage. But all that really matters about their life today, because you know, I look at the ones that are gone, is this question, were they trusting and following Jesus? Did they prepare? Did they have an eternal perspective? Someday someone may look in at their family tree and see your name there and ask that question. Were they prepared? Did they have an eternal perspective? They see your name, but hopefully they'll understand how you impacted them because you did have that. It, it, it's, the uncertainty is not the dying. Dying is going to happen. The uncertainty is in the preparation. Dying is going to happen, okay? I, you know, but it, it's whether we're prepared or not. And there's only one who's defeated death. He came to us as one of us to save us. His name is Jesus. And when you personally choose to accept Jesus and follow him as Lord of your life, God's spirit comes living in you and the outcome of your life and the outcome of your death changes. And that's what the Bible promises you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Think about that. The same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. So guess what's going to happen to you? And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And Jesus, he testifies to himself. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will, will live even after dying. I want that. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And I understand and get that some people are offended by what Jesus claims. There are people who don't want Jesus to be the only way. They would rather there be many ways. Uh, different ways, variety of ways which lead to eternity in God. I know some people come up and, and they say, I have my own way of getting to God. But in the end, it's either it'll be your way and God's way. And the Bible talks about this too. There's a way which seems right to man. Boy, this sounds good. I love this philosophy. This is what I think. This is what I believe. It doesn't sound good. But in the end, it, it leads to death because it's not God's way. So there's a surrendering and this humble we have to make, humbling we have to make before God. I can stand, be loud and bold at once, saying, I think this is how life is. I think this is the philosophy of life. This is what I think. But I'll still die and be lost forever. Or I say, humble before God, saying, Lord, you created me. You love me. You gave me provision to live forever with you. I accept that. I want to follow that. Uh, you're free to choose while you can and follow, but it does not change this one truth. Referring to Jesus, the Bible says, there's salvation in no one else. That's the claim of the word. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It isn't Jesus and something else or Je something else. It's Jesus. That's how he set it up. From Genesis, was it 3.15? All the way to today and to tomorrow. 
It's from Jesus. So don't allow, the message is this, don't allow earthly things to crowd out your vision for eternity. Don't let earthly things distract you from having a vision for eternity. Here, you know, here's the spiritual truth, which I think is good for us to memorize. Those of us who are seeking the Christian life, who have an eternal perspective, it's found in Colossians. It says, since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, here's the message. Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. That's, that's, that's the message. That can be the struggle sometimes. That's why we, we come to church every week. That's why we, we spend time in the Word of God. That's why we pray. That's why we visit. That's why we, we as Christians, we come together and devote ourselves to things because we need to understand that, that we, we have to focus on the realities of heaven, not on the things of this earth. We need to be living our life with an eternal perspective. So the first step is you've got to understand is life is, not, is brief. Life is brief. And the Bible, again, our friend, the Bible uh, wants to tell you your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. I remember one day last week, I woke up, and it was so foggy. I don't think it was the, the fires. I think it was just, a, it could have been. It was a foggy day. I thought, this is going to be a miserable day. But by the afternoon, it was a beautiful day. The fog lifted. It, it dissipated. It was, it was gone. Life is like, it's just like you think it's there, and that's what it's going to be like that forever. It's not. It's, it's going to be gone. That's what our life is like. Now, there's an illustration to this truth. I, I must have shown this before. I'm sure my five years, almost five years here, I would have shown this because it's one of my favorite illustrations. But look at this illustration and to put our life into perspective, the life here and life eternity. Watch this video, and uh, I hope this, this will uh, help you as it helps me. You've set up home, which is the exact thing that God tells us not to do, is to not make this earth our home. Everyone is living life like tomorrow is going to be here, next year will be here. They're living for this short time on earth, which I think is insane. And we somehow can block out those moments of prompting and conviction, and we end up justifying the things we want to do. You look at what you say you believe in eternity, and then you look at how you live your daily life, and you're going, it doesn't match up. You know, I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember, a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together and it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off? Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me. But... Uh, because that was the best, you know, and, um, and it never worked right because the rolling things, but, uh, but I, I had, I remember being a youth pastor, and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room, and, uh, but I'm going to use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay, just imagination, pretend it goes around the world a few times, it doesn't, it ends at the rock, but, uh, Let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now, imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. 
And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. You're consumed with that, and you're thinking, oh, man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, th- what about all this stuff that's just it's crazy to me? Because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, look, I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb? It doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying down here. It's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just this crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line. And I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out and I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges and he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me because I'm going to pass that line well. Not a great illustration. I love stuff like that because it helps me put life in perspective. Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on heaven. He says this, life on earth is a dot. It begins, it ends, it is brief. Life in heaven heaven is an unending line from uh, from extending from that dot. We live in the dot. If we were wise, we'd all live for the line. So life on earth is brief. Number two, and this is very quick. Life on earth is brief and it ends with death. There's um, an old movie actress named Catherine Hepburn. You maybe know her. She were some of her movies, Philadelphia Story, Bringing Up Baby, uh, African Queen. And she once said a quote that was amusing, uh, but it's wrong. She said, life is hard after all it kills you. And I chuckle, and it sounds profound. But isn't life which kills you, it's death. And death is a direct result of sin. The Bible warns us, again, I want you to put your life in perspective. I love you too much, but I'm not going to say this. So it says, for the wages of sin is death. 
That's what sin gets you. That's what we earn. But the free gift of God is something different. It's eternal life. And again, to make it clear, it's offered through Christ Jesus our Lord. And you see the different out- outcomes here. When, what our sin earns us is death. What God is prepared to give us and wants to give us is life. And the Bible speaks both about the, the reality of eternal death and eternal life. Eternal life is eternity with God. Eternal death is life without God. Eternal life is with God in heaven. Eternal death is eternity without God in hell. And what's hell like? I, I'm not totally sure. I don't want to find out. But the Bible gives us some pretty clear language of what hell would be like. Namely, it's a place of eternal torment, affliction, and agony. The Bible gives us some insight into the day when Jesus comes back. It's the only thing we're waiting for. He's going to come back. And uh, it, this verse kind of gives us some insight into what's going to happen. It says this in 2 Thessalonians, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted, and also for us when the Lord appears from heaven. He will come, Jesus will come, with his mighty angels and flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished. How? With eternal destruction. When? Forever. Separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. So we can't say, I didn't know this. I wasn't expecting this. Thirdly, life on earth is brief and it ends with death, but there's a way out. My purpose today is not to focus on despair and doom. Don't like that. It's not my my nature. Rather, I'm here to preach Christ. I, I I want to tell you that your life does not have to end in eternal death. There's a way out. Do any of you like playing chess? Anybody chess players in here? I uh, actually watched a movie last night on chess. What was it called again? Queen uh, Katia, Katia, a girl in Uganda. But um, the, the aim of chess, I know, I know how to play it. I don't play it. But I, know, I think the aim is to get your opponent's king piece to a place where it cannot move any further without being overtaken by one of your men. And once the king is trapped and there's no way out, the winning player declares, checkmate. You have no more moves to make. There's no way out. The game's over. And there's a painting which used to hang in the Louvre uh, in, in Paris, in the museum there. And it was painted by Frederick Moritz August. Yes, it was. That's good. And it was popularly known and titled as Checkmate. And I'm told it, it was sold in 1999 to private hands. But here's a picture of what that painting is. And you can see the painting depicts two players. One is Satan, who appears arrogantly confident. The other player is a young man who looks rather desolate. And there's a reason why he looks desolate. Satan has just declared checkmate against him. There's no way out. And to make matters worse, the understanding of this game is Satan wins, he wins the man's soul. Now, Paul Morphy was an American chess player back in the 1800s. He was widely considered the um, greatest chess master of his era. And Morphy went to see this painting. And he went and he looked at it and he studied it for a little while. And after examining it for a few moments, he cried out, there's a way out. And he called for a chessboard to be set up. And in duplicating all these pieces in the painting, he declared this young man had not yet lost. In fact, this young man actually had the ability to defeat his opponent, though he didn't realize it yet. His king had one more move. There was a way out. In fact, he could win. If you haven't figured it out yet, eternal death does not have to be the end of you. 
There is a way out. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to keep living life pretending this will never end. There's a way out, and I love preaching about it. I love giving real hope because I love people, and I love suddenly when people get it and realize that, that the hope that wastes the Christian is real and better than anything this life can give. The Bible says, in justice, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away Mark's sins, away the sins of many people. And he's going to come back again. We just heard about that. Not to deal with our sins if we've been saved, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. That's the eternal perspective. I'm waiting for you, Jesus. I'm waiting to see you. I'm prepared to see you. I'm not frightful because I made myself right with you. You have saved me. I accept that. I'm living. You're helping me do that. Sometimes I always get it right. And I, I say, forgive me. And you're there. I say, I forgive you. Let's keep going. That I'm waiting eagerly to see him. You get that opportunity. And I love that last line, to bring salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for him. So we live in a broken world, knowing death is awaiting us someday, and because of Jesus living in us, we also live boldly and with joy, knowing it doesn't end there. I think in my tombstone, I keep changing, but now I want to say it doesn't end here. Mark Royal, 1962, to whenever, it doesn't end here. Remember that, huh? It was Billy Graham's father-in-law, Dr. Nelson Bell, who said this, only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to live. Ah, that's true. Not that you say, I know what's going to happen. I'm okay. I'm trusting God. I can now just live this life. Live it free from worry, free from the troubles it wants to give me living in a broken world because I have an eternal perspective. I have this eternal perspective and this hope and this based on the truth of God. So in finishing... Again, I'm giving a lot of scriptures. I want to understand this is God's word, not Mark's word. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are becoming renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us glory that vastly outweighs them and will last how? how? Forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. This is the eternal perspective on things which cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last, how? Forever. Do you've got that eternal perspective in your life. It changes everything. You're not prepared to live today until you're prepared to die with Jesus tomorrow. The question will not be whether we die. We know we will. The question is, am I ready? About, you know, on the cross... And through the grave, Jesus secured victory, right, over death. The victory is certain. The only question is, who's going to share in it? Who's going to share in it? The victory is already there. It's, it's, it's already been done. It's happened. There's no more, nothing else has to be done. The question is, who's going who's to say, I want to share in that victory? Is that you? I, it all depends on how you're responding to Jesus. A.W. Tozer, a good alliance man, well-known <laughs> uh, church father, said, your Christian hope is just as good as Jesus Christ. The hope that we have, eternity, is just as good as Jesus Christ. Your anticipation for the future lives in, or dies with Jesus. If he is who he said he was, you can spread your wings and soar. Are you doing that? First team will come, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, Lord, if anyone's sitting here today, and there's a good chance there are, they have not prepared for eternity. 
um, and they want to. You know their heart and they have just heard your word. It's not the word of, of Mark or, the, or even of this church, it's the word of, uh, it's your word and your promises and you stand behind them. So I would pray God that one who would ask for forgiveness for how they have ignored you, how they've sought other things beside you, that you would hear them, their heartfelt cry to forgive them. And it says in 1 John that you are faithful and just to forgive those, and you'll do that for them. And Father, you said you'd give them a new life. And part of that life, Lord, is me wanting to change to repenting and making you the center of my life. And I know that's going to be, some days going to be more difficult than others. I know there's challenges, there's temptations, but God, would you walk with me through those? There will be storms, but Lord, will you be in the boat with me? So I know there's peace and there's hope. God, would you help uh, me learn from your word? Would you help me to learn from others, God, and, 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 uh, and be part of what you're doing? I want to see what you're doing and join you in that. Forgive me. I want to repent. I want my book written, and what the Bible says is the book of life. That will be called out. I want to hear my name that day when the roll is called up yonder. I want my name in that book, and I, can, I, can, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it, God, but you allow that to happen because of what Jesus did on the cross, and I want to make that, I want to use that, accept that, God, and identify with that all the days of my life and be ready. Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.